Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Just a minute, folks. I just have to uh, get my mic on. That's what I was saying. It feels like Groundhog Day every day, and that's what happens. You just become complacent. And there we go. I look a little disheveled, but hey. <laughs> Welcome to the Hue Virtual Chat. <laughs> I'm going to open the doors right away because. I'm kind of in, in a kerfuffle here, but uh, we're ready for a fantastic show. I, like I said, we're still in code red. And well, I guess we're a lot better than our folks down south of the border. Oh my goodness. Hello, everybody. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Linda. Good to see you. I love that puppy shot on Instagram. And I, I love that whole thing. And I have a, a brand new guest I want to welcome to the Hue Virtual Chat, Jennifer. Jennifer, we just can't see you right now, or at least I can't. Can you see them, lady? See your ladies? It looks like she's still connecting, Tracy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh well, there's a very very funny intro today, so I start my whole little uh, spiel, and I don't have my mic on, so <laughs> I just said this is what happens when every day is like Groundhog Day, and you become very complacent and. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh wow. It uh so there you go. It has happened. Oh my goodness. I just uh I just I was saying like um Linda has such an adorable shot of her puppy, but what she has written underneath is so so true. And I mean it kind of I kind of reflected even as re, uh thinking about children, right? And how you love them as babies and everything like that and uh but you can hardly wait for them to grow up and well, you know, careful what you wish for. But, uh, you know, um, Linda, it was a great post on Instagram. I really loved it. Can they all hear me? Oh, there's, there's Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome. You're on mute. Unmute yourself. <laughs> oh, so welcome to the Hue virtual chat, Jen. Uh, Rana's, I think, going to be joining us a little bit later. She's again running uh, late. And uh, Jen, Jennifer, we're going to start off with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, yes, we want to talk all things what are happening south of the border, um, privilege, uh, and you know what, it, especially what it means being in this second lockdown or third lockdown or whatever number we're at for our local businesses. So you know, there's been a, a little bit of a backlash, and I don't blame them. It's been such a long time. So take it away, Jennifer. Where to start? Um, uh, first of all, thank God I'm not on mute anymore. Um, uh, where, where to start? I'm Jennifer Snyder. I am uh, the president of Doyen Financial. Uh, after almost 20 years in the financial services business as an advisor, 
I decided to do uh, myself a favor and uh, stop working for uh, other companies and create my own. And so that's uh, what I did uh, right as the pandemic was starting. And so, uh, you know, I have, I've always had wonderful timing in my life. Uh, it, it seems to have worked out in the, in the end uh, with, uh, with lots of different moves that I've made. But uh, in, the, in the moment, uh, as everything was shutting down, um, uh, I got the approval uh, to, uh, to be open for business. Um, so that was, that was, uh, interesting. This, um, uh, I don't know where, where you want to start the, the, uh, what's going on in the U S <laughs> the, the <laughs> pandemic. Hey, Rana. Um, oh, pandemic. Yeah, forget that. No, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, um, it's, it's actually one of the things that I really do want to talk about is, uh, I love, what is happening and some of it is just superficial and we recognize that right because we we've seen these kinds of things before but um after last wednesday um we're starting to see some people backing away uh from uh from those that uh, that um invaded uh, the capital but more importantly you're starting to see uh money being drawn uh, you know, we're not going to support this person, this group with our money anymore. Uh, companies saying we're not going, we do not accept uh, this level of behavior. Now, it, I understand um, my thoughts on it are that we have to start somewhere. We, we, it is never acceptable to it is never acceptable to allow this kind of behavior. Whenever you you have one group of people who is uh, who is trying to speak for another, mm -hmm. uh, that I mean, we have to speak up uh, against that, or at least to speak up for ourselves. Um, and I think that that is really important. But the fact that some corporations are at least being mindful enough to say we don't want to be in their camp. That's a good first step. What we need to do uh, as citizens, as, as people in, in my right, I know this happened in the US, but let's face it, there's a lot of dribble over the, uh, over the border. And I think what we need to be very, very mindful of when we're talking to our MLAs, to our MPs, to, uh, to the companies that we support is, these are the kinds of things that we find acceptable. And these are the kinds of things we do not find acceptable. And, you know, they can pick, uh, they can pick their sides from there. Uh, but I think they have to be aware and we have to make them aware um, of, of what is going to be okay and where our stance are is. Uh, I think, you know, getting somebody elected is step one, step two, from a citizen, uh, from a citizenry uh, standpoint, is keeping them accountable to, and not necessarily to one line, uh, because you you can't say to somebody, you know, you said this, and so you always have to 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 do that. Sometimes circumstances change, and you have to allow them to to change their mind. That's what thinking people uh, do. But uh, I think if we continue to have these uh, conversations back and forth, um, it makes us better uh, as citizens. It makes our leaders better. 
And I think it also uh, gives guidance to corporations, um, to, to governments. So do you think this will definitely have an effect up in Canada then, Jennifer? Like, you know, and especially in, in your line of work, um, the economy too as well. And what really kind of scares me is that there's already, I mean, talk of uprisals or like uh, riots in every, uh, in all 50 states. And um, even, even to have that kind of um, information and seeing, you know, the army, the FBI, CIA, all of the, these people like on guard, uh, it's even scary for us, just, you know, north of the border. It, it is. And, you know, it, it's kind of heart palpitations when you read things like that, because you think, you know, the, the people are going to get hurt. Uh, you know, there's so much anger and you can just feel that. Um, uh, so it, it is worrisome because let's face it, we do all take stands on, on you know, what, what side of the, the line we're on uh, when it comes to U.S. Uh, anything. But the, the interesting thing about uh, the U.S. is that this particular situation is not new. Um, uh, right after uh, slavery was abolished, uh, there were um, uh, biracial um, governments already. You know, they had, they had kind of, I'm not going to say they had moved past it, but they, they had, I think they thought they had moved past it. So they had uh, both black and white people in a government, and then they had a bloody and violent uh, uprising, which led to Jim Crow. And Jim Crow lasted a long time. Um, you could argue we're in the second uh, era of that uh, now. But uh, so that that is what happened the last time something like this uh, happened. And so what we need to, uh, that's why the fear is legitimate. Mm-hmm because we know how dangerous, we know what a slippery slope this is when we, when we allow people to be uh, uh, violent to one another and, and you let that, that go. Then at some point you say to yourself, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, doing away with the facts that like we have for the last four years, you know, at some point you say to yourself, well, okay, we're gonna have to try grasping at facts now. Okay, which facts are we going to be uh, clinging to? Uh, and so you get yourself into a weird position, but you have to draw a line somewhere. And um, I, I really hope that we don't see that level of violence um, in Canada, uh, because I know that there are people in Canada that feel very strongly about what is happening and that, you know, uh, rights are being taken away. I would argue those rights were taken in the first place. So, you know, you have to, um, uh, you have to be careful uh, about, uh, about that. But, um, you know, whenever one group of people oppresses against another, and then says, well, you're, you're, uh, when that, when there's backlash, uh, you can't say that your rights are being taken away, because, you know, uh, it's a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, wrong uh, springs to mind. But um, so the, there is that. The, the, 
The big problem, I think, in Canada um, right now uh, with the with this kind of climate, with uh, people not getting violent on social media, but certainly uh, giving their opinions about whether uh, companies should be open or closed, whether we need to wear masks or not, whether they're, they, the government is doing enough and that's provincial as well as, as uh, federal. Um, you know, that is, it, it's difficult because from, from my perspective, um, you know, there are times when I think to myself, you know, when I was going to the yoga studio, for example, my favorite yoga studio, who I love, uh, Motor Yoga, and I was uh, going there and they were uber careful. They were so safe, in my opinion. It was one of the places that I felt the, the most safe. And to see them shut down at a time like this, to me, doesn't make any logical sense. You know, the, the demographic, the, the level of safety uh, that, they're, that they're practicing, uh, you know, part of me says it doesn't, it doesn't make good intuitive sense and because we need to have businesses continuing to run. And some of them just don't operate the same on a virtual scale. And, um, and then there's the, the people who are stuck at home and I'm, I'm talking to people all of the time some of them that are that are real extroverts and they are suffering. And some of what is happening right now, I would, I'm not a psychiatrist by any stretch, but you could argue is due to the fact that people are shrinking uh, inward. They're not getting that level of discourse. This is, this is obviously a, a great thing to be able to have, but you get those those physical cues from people um, when you're when you're wrong or when you're having uh, a debate, like a good, healthy, respectful debate. I mean, not a shouting match because nobody needs that in their lives. Um, so I I worry uh, about the psychological impact uh, for a lot of people, and that's whether they're uh, retired or or working or what have you. And we um, I think that there are ways that we can implement uh, lockdowns in in a better way than, than we are now. I mean, in talking to some of the doctors, uh, they, there, are, there are similarities. There are demographics that are more at, at risk. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm talking age-wise uh, yeah. specifically. Um, so, you know, if, if they're allowing children to go back to school, um, for example, you know, we, we have to be able to, to bring businesses back, uh, to some degree. And if they're serving a younger di uh, uh, um, demographic, maybe that's a, maybe that's a place, but I don't really see the problem is, is that I don't really see any discourse no. that we're getting very little information well, and mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So if we were getting more information, you know, we're generally rule followers. We're okay with it. We'll stand in queue. We'll wait till the vaccine is available. Most of us will do that, but tell us when it's coming. Tell us how long we're going to have to wait. Tell us what the, not only what the rules are, but why are they there? Give us the rationale. And you know what? Probably 75, 80% will follow the rules. No problem. Now, but I think 
do you think that they really don't have the answers, Jennifer? So, or they don't want to say just in case there's repercussions and they're wrong. And it's kind of like, well, you haven't said anything and nothing seems to be really working well <laughs> through all of this. Yeah, but uh, I, I would agree that that may be part of it. If you don't know the answer, sometimes, and, and, and I've said this to so many people, sometimes I don't know is the answer. It's okay to not know the answer, but here's the thing. Go find it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Find, find something. Find some middle ground because locking an entire country down makes zero sense. Yeah. Well, we're going to open it up to, I'm going to welcome Rana. There's Rana there. Hey. <laughs> but your friend on Jen. Hey, fill us in. How did the two of you get together? How do you, how are you? Um, how do we know each other, Jen? I, uh, I, I, well, we met before you even uh, ran for political. Yeah. How? When? I'm, I'm trying to think of like what the, what the reasoning would be. How did we cross paths? <laughs> Elba. Well, it's, it's always all, all roads. All roads yeah, lead to Elba. Roads, all the, yeah. For those, for those who do not know Elba Hay, she is. I don't know, the mentor, the leader, the love of everybody's life. She's just uh, this the beautiful, force. yeah, she's just this force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So uh, if, you, if you're if you a young woman and you have the pleasure and the luck of kind of getting to be under her wing, you'll go very far in life because she's a tough, <laughs> no BS type of, type, type, type of woman there, so. So, well, you, you joined in a little bit, but uh, you're listening to what uh, Jennifer was saying. Um, you always like to talk about privilege. So that kind of got mm -hmm. into the conversation too. Wearing a mask, don't wear a mask, you know, have that big family gathering because it's holidays and we miss each other. And, you know, and then there's the other rest of us that, you know, have been isolating, have been doing everything as we're told, yeah. not really with any clear answers or even knowing that it is the right thing. Right. So, where yeah, and I, stand now? I, it's really funny. I think I got into like a, not, and definitely not a yelling match because I don't do that anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're just yelling at yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so this is, so just in terms of like the masks and everything else, right? Uh, the one point Jen made was, yes, we need answers. So uh, when you don't have answers or they are un unable and, and I, I can't say to be to be blunt I don't know if it's an unwillingness unableness and frankly we're in unknown territory right like we, we, we can't it's 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 so challenging that you you really don't know even know what to believe um, you know I saw this crazy conspiracy theory going around yesterday I'm just like please stop on my feed like I just don't want to <laughs> see it but but ultimately if we were going to just kind of funnel it down there are rules in place. We are a law abiding group of people and country. Whether or not we like it or don't, those are after discussions, unfortunately, for now, because in that process, many people are going to lose their mental health. You know, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I'm worried people are going to start losing lives, right? Because people are struggling. Right. Uh, businesses are going under. You saw that 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 guy who uh, who had to open this uh, tattoo shop. I, I forgot what the name is, but, you know, I watched him and I, and I was heartbreaking. You know, he was just like, do I pay the fine or do I feed my kids? That's not unheard of. Those are very common situations people are in right now. 
Um, so so it's, it's quite concerning. But at the end of the day, I think this is a scenario where we all have to kind of bind to like get just get on board. You know what I mean? Just get on board for this little bit of time and hope for the best and support each other through it. You know, like, uh, you know, I've always put myself out there, you know, if somebody needs groceries or whatever else, like this needs to be funneled down to a community level. Our governments are unable, unfortunately, they're showing their true colors. I, I'll, I'll say colors. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, can't, they, they cannot control what's happening on the ground. And that's a fact. They can't control what's happening in a house between families, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's um, you know somebody losing their job, whether it's feeding a child, whether not being having access to whatever it is, that is outside what they are able to do at this point. Clearly, uh, so I think this is more of a how do we support each other? How do we kind of rally around each other? You know, this tattoo guy. You know, like I, if this was some, I keep calling him a tattoo guy. That's so rude, but you know, I just that's what I know him as. He's a business um, owner. But yeah, he's a business owner. You know, and and. You know, it would be nice if he had if he had somewhere to go. You know, dude, I can't I can't pay my grocery bill this month. Like, someone hit me up with a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, and we can start kind of communally helping each other. I don't know what else we could say or do, because we don't have a solution to this. This is not a quick fix, and it's not going to end anytime soon. And in that period of time, we either all have to kind of get together and figure it out, right, mm -hmm. or we have to accept the fact that there's going to be a lot of loss and it's going to be more than business loss. Families, children, people, homes, everything under the sun. I want to touch up on the privilege part because I mean. <laughs> because. Because, uh, yeah. So, so, and I don't really, I, I just want to touch on the fact that I think I had this conversation again, I think last week about, um, you know, complaining about masks, right? Like, I get it. Nobody likes them. Where this, this is, to, in my world, this is akin to this guy who's in jail for the uh, like being a domestic terrorist, storming the Capitol, and he's crying because he can't get organic lunches in jail. In my world, this is what the mask situation seems like to me. Just wear a freaking mask mm -hmm. for your own protection. Like, whoo. It, you know, and, if, and and my other issue with the mask issue is, and I don't want to really get delve deep into this. I do have that panel on February 2nd. I will try to bring this part up. But for the mask situations, I think it's Bill 63 in Quebec, you know, where wearing masks at that time or wearing uh, when people were wearing hijabs and niqabs, blah, blah, blah. That was a fear. Like, you know, it was scary. Everybody, you, you can't see somebody's blah, blah, blah. They're going to kill you. Like whatever the whatever whatever it was, so I think that that argument can now stop above and beyond. Don't pretend you are afraid of people and they're scary or it's a safety issue. You are afraid of what's behind the mask. You are mm -hmm. afraid of what you do not know behind that mask. Make be honest. You know it's a racial thing. You think every brown person is a freaking terrorist? Sorry, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, and that's what your issue is. Call it out. Like, why are we tiptoeing around issues like this? You know, I'm not going to. I, I, I choose not to. So for the mask issue, it's very layered. You know, I think if we're going to be protective, I think let's just do the job. And if you're going to simply do the job, do it for the teachers and the nurses and the doctors who have no choice. 
Agreed, 100%. And let's face it, we're still learning whether, uh, whether even if you've been infected and gotten over it, we're still learning whether you can still infect somebody else. So until we know that, don't be a jerk. Just, yeah. just be a mask to protect the people around you. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll say this again. I feel like it just comes down to, you know, and like, I don't talk a, a lot about this, right? But, uh, but for me, you know, I, I always funnel down to, you know, who you are as a person, uh, what values and principles do you live by in your life? You know, what did your ancestors teach you? What's, you know, what are your pillars? Like, what, what is your actual true belief system? If you believe that it, you are generally a good person, if you are going to protect yourself, but also protect others in any way, right? It doesn't matter if you're walking down the street and you move uh, a bucket out of somebody's way, right? So, so if, if you just get over the ego part of it, Mm. Why do I have to? Why should I? Blah, blah, blah. If you just funnel it down to, you know, there's a group of people, there's unknowns. Let's just choose to be cautious because that doesn't really harm anyone. What's going to harm everyone is if we roam around not wearing masks and tomorrow it turns out that this is way bigger of an issue than we thought it was. Mm. I would rather be safe than sorry and do it for other people. Good Lord. <laughs> just do it for okay. other people. <laughs> come on okay that's my oh and i'm gonna apologize i am gonna jump off at noon so okay all right okay love you susie I, I like it, it'd be interesting because um you know your program you know save manitoba restaurants i mean restaurants are a huge part of our local economy and i you know I, this has got to be killing them no matter no matter anything you know two weeks is like two months Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, it is undeniably a challenging time for every business owner right now, for sure. And, um, the thing that we need to realize though, is that the sooner we can get our numbers under control, the sooner we can return to some kind of normal, you know, uh, uh, continuation of what we may have had in the summer, you know, and, um, the fact that so many people thought it was appropriate to, um, you know, visit over the holiday season when we were specifically asked not to and to limit our contacts is very disheartening. You know, as we hear these numbers and listen to the presser with Dr. Rusin, it's just so, uh, so unfortunate that some people did not heed that advice and went against that. And now, again, we're all going to pay for those mistakes. And, um, you know, <sighs> And it goes back to sort of, you know, even the discussion that you were having earlier, there are consequences for every, for everyone's actions. And we're trying to um, mitigate the effects of what we can during this pandemic. And when people make those poor choices, we, we have more risk factors to mitigate than, than less or fewer. However, you want to say that. Yeah. And then to, I guess, for yourself, you know, with the kids and family, I was kind of curious. I mean, what kind of conversations happened, you know, since last week and seeing everything on the news about what is happening down in the States and uh, yeah, so begin to it, explain it? It's very challenging. Again, it depends what, what age your children are, right? And how, um, how aware they are about what's going on. But if your kids are on TikTok or if they're on Snapchat or Instagram, they're definitely, you know, seeing footage about what happened. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I asked my kids, I said, like, have you seen stuff online? Do you have any questions? What is it that you would like to talk about? And um, so we, we had those conversations and we talked about um, uh, just personal responsibility in an age of, you know, that, um, that level of chaos mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a country that, you know, uh, supposedly prides itself on law and order and all these things. And, um, you know, we have, what is it? We have eight days till the inauguration and literally every day I'm bracing myself for just horrible news to come out of there, right? And you're right, like every state capital is now on high alert because of, you know, this January 6th event. And I'm sure they were on high alert before that as well. Um, but they saw the, the, the plans and, and fruition come on January 6th. So they're bracing themselves for what could come. By no means do I pretend to have any solutions, but I, I, I just think that it is appalling the state of affairs that everything is in and the inequities that exist. And um, it is time for all of us. And again, you know what, we are not, we are not immune to this up here. You can look at the language that's coming out of the CPC federal party and it's not a surprise. Okay. And whenever somebody talks about, you know, what's happening in the States, um, we have our own homegrown domestic terrorists here. And, you know, on Saturday, I was saying on Twitter, Ryan Thorpe of the Winnipeg Free Press had an amazing uh, story come out over the summer on uh, getting embedded with a group of white nationalists and discovering that um, uh, terrorist who was trying to flee to the States and was on a, there was a manhunt out for him because he was considered that dangerous. So we can't be smug and we can't be ignorant and think it's not happening here. It's absolutely happening here. So it is incumbent upon all of us to unequivocally denounce that kind of language and to stand up for people who are being um, maligned for the color of their skin or creed or whatever, sexual orientation, all of those things. You know me, I have no patience for that. None, you can tell by my face right now, no patience whatsoever. You so, know what's and, interesting yeah. to me is that uh, the, uh, I mean, Germany fought two wars before they learned their, uh, their lesson. Right. And and now they're one of the strongest proponents. I mean, you can't say that there's not still problems inside Germany, but but they literally went to war twice because the first time it wasn't strongly enough. There wasn't enough pushback. That that, you know, it, it led to an even bigger problem. And I, I think that we can really see that here. And I think it's really important, you know, there's a lot of uh, pundits and um, legal scholars and everyone talking about how there cannot be uh, reconciliation without justice. So justice must come first. And if you listen to uh, black leaders in the U.S. and even, you know, in South Africa, we have we have precedent for this. Same with the Nuremberg trials, all of these things. There cannot be resolution and healing without justice. Justice must come first. Interesting. Linda, your thoughts. I like that, uh, Susie, justice must come first. And my thoughts, uh, well, they're kind of all over the place right now. I, uh, you know, I appreciated what Jennifer was saying and Susie and uh, Raina before that. Um, my thoughts go to a great article I was reading on CNN about 
you know, what you were saying, Susie, about justice and holding the people who, you know, uh, stormed the Capitol accountable, a hundred percent, but holding the politicians who incited those people accountable as well. That, that, and I, I, I like to think of, you know, you know, we talk a lot about the divisiveness of this current culture that we live in, and that's very true. And I don't like to be part of a culture that is uh, finger pointing and it is othering. And I, for me, Susie, what, you know, you were speaking about, about very passionately about um, standing up for anti-racism and you know, unequivocally denouncing anybody who is, you know, tied with white supremacy or any of the other forms of racism. There's, you know, white supremacy, which is overt, and then all the other ones underneath. Finger pointing to me means that you are not taking personal responsibility. It's saying all these other people are at fault, but not me. Um, I play no role in this, and I don't believe that. I believe that uh, our culture and our systemic um, values are based in white supremacy and that especially in Canada we have rampant racism that happens here and I don't want to um, I, do, I don't see that creating any great results to say it's it's uh, it's other people who do this it's other countries who do this, um, like you were saying as well, it's it's not, it's here. We all live in the system. We've all been brought up in the same system and we are all personally responsible for it. Um, that said, when I look at those uh, people in the States who were rioting and who were terrorists uh, to the Capitol building, there is a part of me that understands where they came from. These are people who were fed lies, who were fed, uh, you know, indoctrinated that um, they were the patriots. They were the ones that needed to take charge. They were the ones who were protecting their country. And you can see how it led to what the actions they took. I mean, I still do believe that they need to take personal responsibility and be held accountable and justice, but I'm all for going after the leaders who are inciting this kind of mentality uh, in people. Like it, it's absolutely the responsibility of the government to take, uh, you know, to charge the people responsible. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, justice for sure needs to happen. And then, then healing. But uh, I'm, I'm like the rest of you though. I am, I'm on edge and braced to see what's happening in the next couple of weeks in in the US and how it affects Canadians as well. So, yeah. And I just wanted to ask you sort of, I guess, on the same vein, but maybe not, but it deals with your line of work. You're a life coach, business coach. Have you come across or, and how would you broach, say a client that definitely has some political, you know, values or, or whatever that maybe doesn't, you know, coincide or mesh? Because, you know, when you get to know someone, 
um, usually politics and religion, <laughs> usually, I mean, you know, they, they tend to, to come up, um, and especially in your line of work where you're trying to learn more about the person and everything. And women are different too than men. What would, well, see, I mean, if people are working with me as a one-on-one life coach, um, you, you, you begin your, um, there's two things you, you have usually a consult call to see if you're a good fit for each other. Right. And, you know, see if you, you are, if, if I think that I can help that person, mm-hmm. um, but also, and so would I take on somebody who had the, that completely different ideology? No, no. <laughs> I just wouldn't. I, 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 that's one of the joys of owning your own business. I get to choose, you know, who I work with, but at the same time, uh, one of the things of coaching is, is practicing um, non-judgment and, you know, you're, you're sitting people with people, helping them, you know, through their processes. So you're, you're providing a, um, a safe space for people to work out their, um, their thoughts and their feelings. So I, I would say, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, no, I wouldn't and get, take on a client who had that completely different ideology as me. But one of the things that I committed to last year, when all of the Black Lives Matter stuff um, became, became uh, so uh, apparent in the news, I made a commitment myself that I would not, as a life coach and as a speaker, sit on panels or uh, take on speaking gigs that were not representative and diverse. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had to turn down a couple when I, you know, people have said, you know, would you like to speak on this, you know, with this group? And I'll just say, is it diverse? That's, that's part of my thing. And they'll be like, "Eh, we're hoping to get there. (laughs) And I'll be like, no, sorry. That's, that's my uh, commitment as, as uh, what I can do in my business um, Mm -hmm. is to say, no, I will not speak on, um, you know, in workshops where it's only white. I uh, that's, that's something that I, personally can do it's an action step that I can take that ensures that um that we're hearing from more people than just people who look like me no and that's so that's so great I mean if anything that's a great life lesson to learn and something that we can all kind of embrace too as well and I you know it, it's it's opening doors right and it's opening yep. our thinking and uh you know you've always got such amazing ideas and stuff so it's great that you can share now with a bigger audience, so. Well, and that, that's why I, I, I appreciate uh, being on this panel. You know, uh, Tracy, you, that's something that is so important to you with the Hue Crew to make sure that it's diverse and that you're hearing from all sorts of different people. And, you know, I, I think that's just, uh, that that aligns so much with my values. So I appreciate what you're doing for, for the Hue Crew. Uh, well, no, it's all of you ladies that, that come to the table. So I'm going to open it to Kirsten and Charlotte because they always come together and they always, you know, mm-hmm. spill off their thoughts. So I'm just going back to the whole family thing because you two, uh, that's your line of work. That's your baby. And I was thinking about that. I asked Susie the question on how she addressed everything that was happening to her kids. Now, you know, first of all, we had to address this pandemic, we, isolation, uh, masks, and all of these restrictions and can't see grandma. And now you're seeing this violence, like right in your face, like no regard, total disrespect. 
um, we've talked about how it's affecting the economy and the business, but how is this now going to affect the family unit? Um, and even how do, how do we talk to our own kids? I mean, yeah, we're in Canada, but no, they're very close neighbors. And like Susie and Rana and, and Jennifer said, I mean, it's all bleeding through. So I was just wondering, and yeah, I would like some guidance on that too. Who wants to go first, Charlotte? <laughs> oh my goodness, Tracy, you've given us a huge topic. Um, you know, I, I was, because uh, I always take some notes in this and, and Ron has started to touch a little bit on what are your pillars and, and Kirsten and I talk a lot in families, what are your family's pillars as well as what are yours? So really um, spending some time doing um, some discussion with your family around what, what's important to you, what are your values? And, you know, you can start to draw in those pieces around the mask, around keeping your family safe, around the importance of um, spending time just in our little bubble so we can eventually see our grandparents, which we care about. So really cementing what's important as your family unit. Um, and, and that's a really great um, exercise as well going into, you know, again, something that um, Rana touched on um, is, um, is when those biases in your family start to come out. And, um, you know, Rana was talking about, you know, before masks, um, people fearful of um, brown people in their traditional um, uh, dress, um, and they were actually scared. So um, really starting to have conversations with your family around what are some of those biases that may be coming up that even if you say we don't have any biases, um, everybody has biases. Um, and I'll, I'll say one to you, puppies or kittens, you know, um, that's a bias. Um, beach holiday, mountain holiday, those are biases. So when people say that they don't have any, challenge them on that uh, and encourage um, dialogue with your children around what that looks like. Um, part of our peer training is we, we really make um, our participants take hard looks at their biases and their values and um, to be able to hold those neutral spaces when you're supporting people. Kirsten and I work with a lot of families from backgrounds that are so completely different to ours. Um, our commonality with them is that we're all parents or we're families, but, um, and, and how to hold a space um, when your belief systems are so different um, and, and keeping your own biases and your own um, belief systems, your own agendas at check. Um, you know, throughout this conversation today, um, Kirsten and I were, you know, back and forth a little bit on, on when, when biases were coming up, you know, for all of us, you know, and, and around the white privilege. White privilege is a huge part of our, our training as well. Um, you know, look at our, you know, our, our group here. Um, we're all very privileged in living in Canada, privileged in living in Winnipeg, um, privileged in being part of this, um, privileged in where we grew up, like all of those things we have to take into account. Um, Robin wrote a quote on Facebook the other, not a quote, she just put out there, thank God I'm living in Canada. And she got backlash of white privilege. And she was like, whoa, I, I teach this part and, and now I'm being, you know, outed for being of white privilege. And so she, you know, she addressed that on her Facebook. So just looking at that. Um, Kristen, I'm going to turn it over to you because I love your in this family talk. So I'm going to put it on that one for you. Well, that's a hard one to follow, Charlotte, because you, you really kind of hit on so many valid points there and really the heart of what we uh, work with when we're working with families who are struggling with mental health issues in their family. But um, 
Yeah, my head goes to, I have adult children, one lives at home and one doesn't. And um, my head goes to um, the opportunity for great conversation. And not only to talk to your adult children or your, your teenagers to hear your voice, but to actually talk in a way that through curious communication that you actually um, foster communication and really kind of get where everybody's coming from. And I love the, I mean, what a great conversation to have at the dinner table, the biases. Well, I don't have biases, puppies or kittens. Like we all, we all have them and we need to check in with them um, more now than ever. Um, one of the things Charlotte talks about, I love using the quote uh, in this family and uh, in my family story, going back in time when we were really struggling um, with hard times regarding mental health in our family, I had one of my daughters uh, often challenge me on, on what was happening and, you know, or, or jumping ship, you know, leaving the island. <laughs> and um, I would say, hey, in this family, we show up. Or if one of my daughters, because of the chaos that was happening, was being really judgmental or hard on the other, or any of us would be like, hey, hey, in this family, this is our safe place. This is where we can have conversations and we don't have judgment. And for whatever reason, my kids heard that at a time that was critical, loud and clear. And they'll say that was actually something that kind of kept us all in check because it also wasn't isolating an individual on their behavior or their input. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we're all, we're all in this and here's how our expectations for all of us are. So that's something I we talk about often. Who would have thought I'd be I'd be uh, you know when I was saying it way back then that I'd be in the role that I am today. But um, one of the things that I keep going to is you know I was thinking of what Linda said, and I have to say my heart actually breaks for a lot of people who were enticed by um, people in power, our politicians in in the states who were let you know fed false truths who were uh found themselves caught up in a swirl that they actually believed wholeheartedly in and had no idea that i mean not in all cases but i think there's some really sad stories um and there's 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 federal prosecution that's going to come out of that and i think perhaps there's a lot of sadness that happened at the hands of people that you trusted and were in positions of power and uh so many individuals got hurt on both sides because of that, uh, all sides, and some really nasty people too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not letting anyone off the hook, but that's where I really hope those people are truly the ones that pay for this, this horrific event. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go quickly, Susie, because, um, you know, uh, Oh, good. Cause I was going to say something. <laughs> yeah. Good. I just, I just, you know, you're very small, you know, on my screen, but I could see you, you know, <laughs> your screen just lit up. No. Um, yeah. I'm going to go to you and you can, you can continue on your thought. And then I have a question for you. Yeah. I was going to say, I, um, uh, what, what Kirsten was saying is really important, I think, because I think that, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of government, um, you know, is, uh, is in place necessarily in the sense that, we have to understand that real change takes place on a micro level. Okay. So all change, like Chris, like Christian said, you know, in this family. Okay. So in this family, you can expand that to in this neighborhood, 
in this community, all change must start at that level. It's never going to start at the, at the macro level. Okay. It will only change when we embrace and start to build in our community. There's that saying, you know, if you want to change the world, start with yourself. It's the same thing, right? So until we acknowledge and embrace that idea, and that starts with, you know, how we fund our schools, how we treat, you know, our, our homeless population, um, all of these uh, inequities that we see in our communities and in our neighborhood, they will never be solved on a bigger level until we attempt to solve them on a smaller level. Now, obviously, funding and all those things can come from a macro level, but it's about the sentiment and the intent that we have around making that change. And that has to start at a grassroots level. And if we if we want to see change come, you know, in a in a bigger way, we need to start looking, you know, next door and across the street and all those tangible ways that we can, um, you know, elect politicians who want to affect that change and who will make our communities better, as opposed to leaders who are full of, um, you know, ego and rhetoric. They're not in it for anybody but themselves. And we've heard talk like that as well this week, talking about, remember when public service was about public service, you were there to serve a community, you were there to serve the public. I don't think we're seeing that from a lot of elected officials these days. And that's something that we really need to bring back. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, oh, and I, I'll come back to you, Susie, on something else. But Jennifer, then that spills me into what will the new politician look like moving forward? I, and like Susie says, it's not going to change overnight, but um, <laughs> he's laughing. Hey, maybe you'll run. Maybe Ron will run. I mean, Susie, anyone, Linda, I would vote for any of these women for, uh, for um mayor or premier, but uh, your perspective on what the new candidate will look like moving forward. Well, I think we have a great responsibility to outline what that candidate is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's, it's to Susie's point, it's, um, they don't, I mean, they, they know their own minds, but they get their marching orders from us. We tell them by how much we vote, by how much we give them money, by how much we share our opinions. That's how you affect change. And it is grassroots. And sometimes it, it can be, uh, can seem tedious because, you know, you're, you're having to, to keep going back to that well, uh, especially with the, uh, uh, some parties that keep changing leaders. <laughs> Not calling anyone out, but uh, but you have to keep having that conversation, uh, and unfortunately, uh, it's it's not yet sticking. But the um, I think I think it this is a great opportunity for us in in one way. I, I'm not I'm not being naive, but I think this is a great opportunity for us to look at how we live in our communities in our homes in our cities and say, what is, what is no longer acceptable? Well, you mentioned homelessness. You know, this has been a problem for some time. We've got quite a bit of square footage right now that is empty. Can that be used for a different purpose? Can we, can we think just a little bit differently about how we support those people who have been affected the most in this kind of an uh, of an environment, can can we do that? 
And in doing that, can we create other opportunities? Because it's not just, it's not about charity. It's not about any of that, like take all those ego words out of there and say, what can I do to, to help the people that are around me? Because let's face it, all of us are uh, in this community and whether that is uh, the, the neighborhood, the city, the country, uh, we have to, we have to stand up. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is stand up for one another. Right. No, so true. Well, maybe we can start here. I love that because there are lots of empty spaces, lots of empty buildings. Well, they just released that article that there were all these incredible plans that were just put on the shelf. And that was including uh, vacant buildings, making that uh, more space for, you know, whether it's to move the seniors that were affected by COVID or anything like that, the off spill, they were thinking about students uh, helping in the old in the uh, seniors homes and stuff like that and all of these other bringing in the community to help and looking at all of these things and the government turned their back on it and when they should have been actually probably working on something like this in the summer when we were you know kind of riding a little bit of a, a free wave there they should have been building and, and working on this because it was happening in the states and across the, you know in in England and everything it was affecting the, the old and the elderly. So I don't know, it's be, it'll be interesting times moving forward, but I really appreciate uh, you joining us, Jennifer. I think you're gonna be our political pundit. <laughs> you can come you. I really do appreciate the invitation. <laughs> it was so much fun, thank you. Oh no, it's been so interesting. Well, and Susie, lastly, I mean, I'm getting back to family again and you know, Charlotte and Kirsten have, you know, such, they, you know, thank you ladies because those were all great solid ideas. And we tend to forget that when we're sitting with our family, yes, in isolation and seeing the same faces for the last, I don't know, over 100, 150 days. (laughs) Um, But moving forward and like, okay, so once the restrictions are out, we'll probably go to code orange. What will code orange look like? Will we only be allowed like two more people in our household or, um, or are we going to be just you know, opening our doors and, and running out in freedom, which would be great, but I doubt it. Mm. Um, how do you control those kind of feelings and anxieties and, and, and in the family way too, Susie, but then also, you know, your own personal too, because you've been separated from your own, your own parents. And it was a decision too. Um, you know, those moments when we can get together and again, is it like, okay, you can't hug for... <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep your mask on, which we know is, is you know, I, I appreciate that too. So going back to the, the mask uh, conversation before, if you've seen the videos of how much hot air and moist talking we do to each other, I might never take off that mask ever again. I can't believe that I used to let people just breathe on me. That is appalling. <laughs> Have you seen how much moisture just comes out of your mouth, even just from talking? Oh my gosh, it's it's too much, especially when you think about someone at work or in, in the store who might have had a cough, you know, near you and they're just like breathing on you, asking you questions. Nope, I'm not doing that again. So I'll be, I'll be wearing a, a mask, I think, for a while, or at least keeping my distance from people who I don't want talking moistly on me. But anyway, um, you know what? I think that um uh we're gonna have a, a roaring 20s, you know, eventually. When this is all over, there will be celebration and there will be, you know, jubilation and there will be um, hopefully a lot of good change to come out of this. 
And hopefully we can understand that investing in science and in research and development is a very good thing for the, for the world's population, because that's how we got to the point where we can have a vaccine this early. And hopefully we will see you know, young people be turned on to careers in science and in healthcare and in microbiology and infectious diseases and all these things that will help, you know, future. Um, immediate future things, I, um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here actually and predict that there's going to be sort of maybe two things that will happen. So one will be that, you know, people will continue on as if, I don't want to say nothing happened, but as if they are able to get back to normal quite easily. And then I think there's going to be another group of people of which I think I might be a part of where the idea of getting together with people seems great, but in reality will be actually quite stress-filled and anxiety uh, filled. And the reason I say that is because if you're the type of person who sits there watching old TV shows an old concert footage and goes, wow, I can't believe we used to do that. If you think about how sensory deprived we've been over the last, you know, uh, almost a year now. So even I've read people saying on Twitter and stuff that they go in the car and they get car sick because their body's not used to moving at more than a walking or running pace, depending on how fast you can run on a treadmill, I guess. But there's a lot of adjustment we're going to have to make psychologically and emotionally to being in crowds again and being with other people again. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there is definitely going to be an adjustment period for some people. And so there's, there's going to be, you know, uh, an adjustment period and who knows how long that will be, you know, maybe it will be a little while, maybe it'll be a long while, but there's going to be some getting used to normal again. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, well, a lot to, lot to take in today, um, but uh, it's been, you know, again, so many different opinions, but so many helpful, meaningful things to take in. And as we sit here and wait another week or so, and or no, I guess it's a week and a half, I don't know, and see what our marching orders, so to speak, are from there. But uh, you know what, I, I want to, again, thank you all for uh, sharing and, and caring. Um, these conversations, like I said, are very meaningful. And I'm so happy that uh, we can all kind of come together. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Again, anytime. The, the Zoom chat, the Zoom link is the same. Same bat channel, same bat time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we'll see you all next week. And yeah, check out uh, Linda's Instagram, obviously the puppy. Oh, your puppy is so cute. And Charlotte, did you get Archie? Yeah. Archie is now officially in our family. And, uh, we're Aww. settling in in the puppy stage. So <laughs> it's very busy. Yes, but uh, no, um, yes. So Linda has a, a, a great little thing. And yeah, I'd, like, I'd love to have an assistant that would be knocking on my door at 9 a.m. with a cup of coffee. But that's, that's the entrepreneurial fantasy. I don't know. I run through that sometimes in my head. I just picture like having this full-time assistant that shows up with coffee in hand and then they handle all of the little glitches that happen throughout the day. And I just kind of sit back and like, just say, oh, wow. you know, okay, I just need this report and they hand it to me. I don't know. It's just like, oh, oh yeah. You sit, you sit back and say your profound words, right? Exactly. That's <laughs> that's that's the, that's the perfect life. Oh my goodness. See, we've all 
We all wish for it. But anyways, well, you have everybody a happy Tuesday. Stay safe and healthy. And we'll see you all next week. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Tracy. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.